Morning. Welcome to Victory Life Church. My name is Peter Knotts. I'm the youth and associate pastor here, and we are so excited to have you here to worship with us. Thank you for joining us. If you are new here today, we'd love to have you fill out one of the communication cards. They are on the back of the seats in front of you, and that will allow us to follow up with you and get to know you. We'd love to welcome you to our church. Uh, we'd, uh, it'd be great if you could drop that off at the Welcome Center over here, and we will have a free gift for you as well. If you're worshiping online with a special welcome to you as well, uh, we'd love to have you go to vlchurch.com, click on the Are You New banner uh, at the top of the website, and you can fill out the form there, and we would love to follow up with you as well. Well, I only have one announcement today, and it is for the volunteer fair. Uh, so we're excited to have the volunteer fair. We're excited to uh, give you opportunities to get more plugged into our church, to serve and be part of what God is doing here. Um, service is part of our worship. Uh, it's part of how we respond to who God is and what he has done in our lives. And so we would love to give you opportunities to get plugged in if you're not plugged in already. So you can do that between services or after second service. It, the volunteer fair is located in the South Sanctuary. And something new that we haven't mentioned recently was that we are going to be raffling off two Guardians tickets. So if you go to the volunteer fair and you go to each of the, the tables at the volunteer fair and get a signature from each volunteer, uh, then you will be eligible to, to enter that raffle for two Guardians tickets. Uh, so we hope you'll come and check that out uh, and get connected with our church in that way. So now is the part of our service where we uh, continue in worship through giving. Uh, for, so if you want to give your tithes or your offerings, we would encourage you to do that. Um, you can do that through text, uh, through giving online, or as you exit the sanctuary today. So thank you for your faithful giving. So now we're going to transition to the part of our service where we worship through singing. So if I could invite you to stand uh, and join me in prayer. Lord, you are glorious, you are awesome, you are worthy of our praise, and so we come to praise you today. Lord, we want to give you the glory that you are due every day. We want to live in such a way that uh, invites others to be part of your story. And so, Lord, we pray that you would use us for your purposes, pray that you would be honored and glorified in our praises today. Amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together for worship. Have you come to celebrate him this morning? I hope so. That's why I'm here today, to tell him every day we live. Oh, I will sing for your glory and shout out your praises every day I live.
by singing hallelujah. Hallelujah means to boast in the Lord, to bless him, to praise him, to give him thanks.
Hallelujah to your name. You alone are worthy. You alone are good, God. God sent his son Jesus for you and me to die on the cross for our sins and to raise to life so that we could have life as well. Say, AJ, I know you say that every week. That's why I came today. That's why I came. Because Christ died for me and he was buried in a tomb and raised to life again so that if I would believe on his name, my sins would be forgiven and I would also have eternal life. That's why I'm here. God's faithful. God's good. He's walking with me right now and he's walking with you right now if you've accepted him as your savior. He's resurrected you. He's given you new life and he's resurrected me and given me new life. I'm here And I live today because he lives. So that's why I worship him this morning. And I pray that if you don't know that today, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I pray that as we sing this song, that he would reveal himself to you and you would know that you can have life eternal. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you that you did come to this earth. You knew that we were wretched. You knew that we were sinful. And so, Jesus, in your perfection, you took on that wretchedness and sinfulness on the cross that was ours. And you bore it in yourself. And because you were perfect, you could not stay dead. You raised to life. I pray, Lord, this morning that if anybody does not know that truth, that by your spirit, you would reveal it and continue to reveal it to my heart as well. Amen. Now 
Was borrowed for three days. 
His body there would not remain. He's overcome the grave. He's overcome the be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us new birth into a living hope by resurrecting Jesus from the dead. Lord Jesus, there's a world of lost and dying people. They are defeated today. They are lost. The only thing they have to look forward to is the next bottle. The only thing they have to look forward to is the next party. The only thing they have to look forward to is the next show to binge watch. They're lost, they're dying, they're defeated. Not us today. For we know the risen Savior who has given us hope and life. Because he lives, we live also. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, we have a hope, a future, and a purpose. And the reason for which we are created and have been created is being sought and pursued. Oh, Lord, thank you that we have so much hope today. Thank you, Lord, that we have access to so much joy. Thank you for defeating death and putting us in position, Lord, to have life eternal with you. I pray, Lord, that life eternal would make its way into this fallen age, into our very midst this morning, and remind us that we have life in you today. And we have so much more to look forward to than the lost and the dying world. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Welcome once again to Victory Life Church. This morning I'm Pastor Matt. We're so glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. It's a very special Sunday because it is Bebe Dedication Sunday. And we'll be dedicating some babies to the Lord this morning here. The lights are coming up. And so we have four families that are going to come here in first service. You can come right now. And, and I'm going to have you line up right along this side of the platform, if you will. I'll come down to meet you in no particular order. 
because uh, I'll mess up the order anyhow. And so uh, you may be relatively new to Victory Life. You might say, what's baby dedication? Well, I'll explain what we're doing here this morning. Uh, when God calls, well, yeah, I'll come all the way down this direction. Yeah, wonderful. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello to you and to you and to you as well, Jacob. Anyhow, what are we, what are we doing baby dedication for? What's this all about? When God calls a people to himself in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he tells them to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and might. Jesus adds mind in the New Testament, if you thought I misquoted it. And then he says, the writer of, of Deuteronomy, Moses, then he commands the people to go one step further. He says, the law of God needs to be written on your heart. And you know where he goes then? He says, recite that law to your children. Talk about that word of the Lord when you are sitting in your house. Talk about that word of the Lord when you are walking in the way and for us driving in the car, right? He says, talk about that word of God when you are going to bed and talk about that word of God when you get up in the morning. Jesus says, if you remain in my word, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know the truth that will set these children free in this life? The word of the Lord. And this is what these parents and grandparents and godmothers are committing to this morning, to raising these children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and saying, with all of their heart, I will raise this child to love the Lord their God with their heart, soul, and strength. And I will teach them the very words of life from the Lord. The second thing that we're doing this morning is we're honoring the Lord Jesus. You know, Jesus during his time on earth would have the children brought to him and he would lay his hands on them and he'd pray for them. And pray blessing over them. Now, I'm not Jesus. Praise God for that. But you know who all of us are together? We're the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. That's who we are. We're his representatives on earth. So I can't pray over these babies and pray a special blessing in the favor of the Lord on them with any kind of spiritual power that I possess. That'd be weird. But together we have spiritual power. Because we're the body of Christ. And so in a moment when I say, will you stretch your hand towards these and pray with me that God's blessing and favor would be upon them all the days of their life, be the body of Christ today. Add your prayers to mine. And let's pray over these little ones with all our heart, soul, and strength that they would come to know the Lord with all their heart. And so the first mama that we have with us this morning is Lauren Glover, and she's got her two girls here this morning. And so Pastor Peter's going to bring over uh, a certificate here and some flowers that we have. The red rose is for the lifeblood of mom who just carried these little ones. The gold rose is for the admonition and the word of the Lord in the life of this, these children. And then the white rose is for their purity. And so we're just going to pray over these little ones one by one. So who should we pray over first, mom? We're going, to have, we're going to pray over Kehlani. This is Godmother Amanda. This is Grandpa here. And this is Kehlani, don't tell me, Gianna Glover. All right? Can we pray over you, Kehlani? Can I come down there? Can I hold your hand? Would that be okay? Would you stretch your hand towards Kehlani this morning? Heavenly Father, we just lift Kehlani before you right now. Lord, and we pray your special blessing upon her life. Lord, I pray that she'd come to know you at a young age and that Kehlani would serve you all the days of her life, and that through serving you, she would find great joy. God, I pray your blessing and favor on her that she might serve you and do marvelous things for the kingdom of God. 
God, I pray for Lauren. I pray for her support that's here with her, Lord, that they would be bold in teaching little Kailani the way she should go and how to serve Jesus with all of her heart. Lord, bless her and keep her all the days of her life and do great things through her, we pray. We dedicate her to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to stay down here because Camilla's down here. Can you see her? Camilla, can you wave to everybody? Camilla's waving. Great. And this is Camilla Regine, and we're going to pray for Camilla. Camilla, can I hold your hand? We're going to pray for you. Is that okay? All right. Would you bow your heads and stretch your hands towards Camilla? Lord Jesus, we pray for her right now, little Camilla. And we dedicate her to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of life and the gift that she is. God, I pray that you would come into her heart and that she would know you from a very early age and that Camilla would serve you all the days of her life. Lord, we pray blessing and favor upon her. And I pray she would do great things for the kingdom of God. God, I pray that she would find exactly why you've put her on this earth and that she would walk in the ways that you commanded her to go. I pray for her mom. I pray for her support network, Lord, that they would be bold in raising Camilla to know you and to serve you, Lord Jesus, with all of her heart. And I pray in serving you, Lord, she would find the greatest joy. We bless her and dedicate her to you now in Jesus' name. And I got up without cracking, so that's good. <laughs> and next this morning, we have little Anna Renee Montgomery. This is Josh and Chelsea Montgomery. So Pastor Peter's going to bring those things on down. And we're going to pray over Anna Renee. Are you the one being vocal down here? Yeah. She woke up, and she's ready to go. She's going to eat a flower while we pray. <laughs> and so... Could you reach your hands towards Anna this morning as we pray for her? I'm going to swing around here. Heavenly Father, we just lift little Anna Renee before you. We thank you for the gift that she is. We thank you, Lord, for her life. We dedicate it to you now by the will of her parents in the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray that she would love and know and serve you all the days of her life, and she would know your salvation from a very young age. Lord, we pray your blessing and your favor upon her. And Lord, we pray that she would do great things for the kingdom of God. God, I thank you for her parents, Lord, and I pray that you would give them tenacity in raising her to know the word of the Lord and to love the Lord her God with all her heart, soul, and might. We dedicate her to you now and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Anna Renee is desperate to get to those flowers. That was... She was going for him, yes, yes. Now, we have here Wyatt Joshua Kuhn this morning, and this is Jacob and Christina Kuhn, and uh, we're going to pray over Wyatt this morning, who knew that dress code here is a sweater vest, <laughs> and uh, I'm all about sweater vests, so I'm going to swing back around here and pray for Wyatt this morning. Would you stretch your hands towards Wyatt as we pray for him? Heavenly Father. We dedicate Wyatt to you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you said, let the little children come unto me, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, I pray that Wyatt would know his place in the kingdom of God from a very young age. I pray, Lord, that he would know his Lord Jesus. 
Lord, I pray that your blessing and your favor would be upon him all the days of his life. And Lord, I pray that he would serve you with his full heart and find the reasons, Lord, that you've given him life and that he would serve you. I pray for Jacob and Christina. I pray that you would give them boldness to raise him in the way that he should go, teaching him the words of the Lord, reciting it to him at all times. And I pray, Lord, your blessing would be upon them as they raise him. We thank you for his gift of life and dedicate him to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I won't steal your penguin. All right. And finally this morning, last but certainly not least, this is Kira Marie Johnson, and this is Bentley and Alicia, her parents, which they will forever now be known as Kira's parents, because that's the way it goes, right? Oh, and uh, so I'm going to swing around one more time, and if you would stretch your hands one more time, you can, you can change hands if you need to at this point. We're going to pray over little Kira Marie. Oh, yes, I'm safe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just lift Kira before you this morning. Lord, we thank you for this gift of life that she is. We thank you, Lord, for her, the blessing that she is, Lord. I pray over her now, and we pray today, by the will of her parents and, and here in the Church of Jesus Christ, and dedicate her to you. We ask, Lord, that she would come to know you at a very young age that she would serve you and find joy in serving you all the days of her life. God, I pray that she would do wonderful things in the kingdom of God and that she would know the work that you have put her on this planet to do. I pray for Bentley and Alicia. Lord, would you give them strength as they raise her in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Help them, Lord, to be bold in training her in the way that she should go. May your blessing and your favor be upon her all the days of her life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we don't want to scare the kids this morning, but let's give the Lord a very gentle hand clap of praise for all these wonderful blessings today. And parents, you can, be, uh, you can return to your seats. Thank you. Welcome. All right, young disciples, you may be dismissed at this time. And head on down the hall. If you're newer to Victory Life Church, our children's church program is starting now. So if you want to go with your child and follow this gaggle of children out the door, you may. And uh, get them all set up down the hall with Miss Jody. Lots going on this Sunday, so two special words from me as we're transitioning into our time of sharing the word. One, um, Many of you parents, you've been receiving emails and text messages from Pastor Peter this week regarding youth camp, uh, Christ in youth camp that's going on in Bowling Green. And I just want to encourage you, if you're on the fence even this morning on whether or not to send your kid uh, to camp this summer, I just encourage you, four of the most important moments of my entire life happened when I got out of the setting that I was in and into another setting where people could tell me about the Lord and his spirit and what he had planned for my life. I'm here in part this morning because my parents kicked me out of the house anytime the youth group was going out of town. And I just encourage you, kick your kid out of the house, encourage them to go to CIY camp, talk to Pastor Peter today, make sure they get out on this. On this. There's, there's no more important thing they'll do this summer, I promise you, 
then connect with the Spirit of the Lord away at camp. I can promise that based on God's fidelity to use these times and his faithfulness. So just encourage you, if you're on the fence this morning and you're like, I know that deposit's due, please do that. And then finally, folks, before we get into Jonah chapter 3 this morning, Pastor Peter mentioned the volunteer fair. Well, that was 35 minutes ago, right? And uh, we had baby dedication and worship and this time together. Go down the hall today, if for no other reason than to see the vibrant ministries that your church has and has available to you. But I want to just encourage you, if you've been going here for a while and you know this is your church home and you're not yet serving somewhere, you need to. Jesus said we would know, people would know us by our love for one another. And there's ways to practically show love for people who walk in these doors and practically show love to the people who attend church here. And not all of them are super, super committed positions. They're not things that are really, really hard. But we need you to make this community what it's supposed to be, to be the true body of Christ. So if you were on the fence about going down that hall this morning and stopping in at the volunteer fair, I encourage you to do so. Check out those tables. Ask the Lord if there's something you can do to pitch in here at Victory Life Church. You'll be glad that you did. We're in Jonah chapter 3 this morning. This is our fourth week in the book of Jonah. We've been talking about this reluctant evangelist. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh to share the word of the Lord. In fact, for those of you who've been following along in the book of Jonah these past four weeks with us, you know that Jonah went in the opposite direction. He did not want to deliver God's good news to the Ninevites. He did not want to share with them that which God had placed on his heart, and so he went the other direction. And we spent the past three weeks talking about how Jonah ran from the presence of the Lord. He wanted to get away from what God was calling him to do. Not that any of us do that today ever, right? So he didn't want to do it. We learned that even though Jonah was on a ship bound in a great storm, that God brought salvation to those sailors anyhow, and Jonah spoke the truth about the Lord. That's all he needed to do. And then finally, we learned that Jonah recognized his God as a merciful God for himself. He recognized for the first time God was his Savior, last week, and that's what he discovers in the belly of the whale. Well, today we're going to get back to Nineveh, and Jonah's going to share the message that God's been trying to get him to share for quite some time. Not all messages are good messages, at least on the surface of things, are they? A number of years ago, I went out to the mailbox, and I opened something official from the city of Stowe, and so I opened it. I'm from Cuyahoga Falls, by the way, and I opened that letter, and it was from the tax division of the city of Stowe, and it said that I had failed to file my taxes as I ought to in the city of Stowe, and I needed to do that. And I thought, well, that's not true. I pay an accountant to do this type of thing. So I called my accountant, and I said to my accountant, hey, city of Stowe said I got to file something over there, and my accountant says, no, you don't. You filed in Cuyahoga Falls. You paid your 2% to Stowe. You're fine. Ignore it. And I said, then I shall. But I have to admit, I'm a rule follower, so it caused a little bit of anxiety. And throughout the next year, it caused me a little anxiety anytime I passed the city building. Like, I wonder if I should have responded to that, right? So I get a letter the second year from the city of Stowe, and I recognize the seal this time. <laughs> and I open it up, and it says, you are now delinquent on filing two reports with the city of Stowe. You need to get to the tax division immediately and do this. So I called my account again. I said, I got a second message from the city of Stowe. And he says, you don't worry about them. You've already filed your taxes in Cuyahoga Falls. You paid them near 2%. Don't worry a thing about it. But by now I'm getting upset. Because he can tell me not to worry about it, but I was worried about it. And I 
envisioned in my head those horrible, monstrous people at this tax division who were just writing these letters with all type of violence and animosity in their spirit to little old me at 935 Rexdale. And I'm worried about this. I'm worried about, about what's going to happen. But my accountant says I'm good. And I figure it might just go away. So I'll ignore it. And so this year, every time I went by the city building, I felt double anxiety as I pictured the monstrous, mean, and horrible people up on the second floor in the tax division. A third year came, but this letter was different. It said, you will respond to us and come to the tax division in the next 15 days, or the next time we see you, it will be in court. I said, Gina, I think I need to go up to the tax division in the city of Stowe. So I trepidatiously drove down the street to, uh, to the Stowe City Hall, and, and I'm sweating bullets, and I'm picturing these angry, mean-spirited people who are going to throw me in jail for some reason that I don't deserve, and I'm, I'm, I'm horrified as I'm walking up those stairs and making my way into the tax division, and I, I walked into the first set of these two doors, and I went to the counter, and I said, hello, I received these letters, and they said, oh, hi, so good to see you. And I thought, you're not monsters, you're people. And they were the nicest people I'd ever encountered, in fact. They were really sweet. And they said, yeah, here's the problem. You're clergy and you have a housing allowance, so you need to verify to us that, that you actually used your housing allowance on housing. And if you do that, then we're good. And I said, so what do I do? They said, write something that says you used it. And I said, and you'll believe me? They're like, yes, we'll believe you. We just have to put it in the record. And I thought three years of stress and anxiety picturing these monstrous, horrible, angry people. And all they were doing was just letting me know that the law stated that I needed to file this little piece of paper each year. They didn't make the laws. They had no animosity towards me. They were not trying to ruin my life. They just were letting me know it was the law. And I needed to come in and give them a piece of paper each year, which I have neglected to do for the tax year 2022, which means I need to go to the tax division once more. But they're so nice in there, I'm not worried about it. Nicest people ever. All I needed to do was respond to the message. But I had this idea that the message was terse, mean, aggressive, unjust. Therefore, I ignored it, and I ignored it until I couldn't ignore it anymore because I labeled the message for what I thought it was, only to find out there was no anger behind it. There was no animosity behind it. They were just people giving me the message that I needed to hear. When I got there, it was fine. You know, some of the most important messages that we're ever going to hear in these, this life are the ones we don't want to hear because they're the ones that will allow God to fix things for us if we'll listen. And for those of us who hear from the Lord and speak from the Lord, some of the most important messages we're ever going to give is the ones that people don't want to hear. We just need to convey the truth about who God is and what he has said and let the chips fall where they may. That's what takes place for Jonah and Nineveh. And I pray that that's what takes place for some of you this morning, that you hear a message that you need to hear regardless of if you want to. And I pray that some of you will leave this place ready to give a message that you really don't care to give, recognizing that the message belongs to the Lord. And your 
your delivery of that message is incredibly important to the people who need to hear it. Let's go to Jonah chapter 3. It starts a lot like Jonah chapter 1. It says this almost word for word. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message I will tell you. So Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breath. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast. They put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat in ashes. He issued a proclamation and published it through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands." Who knows? God may relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Did anybody see the powerful, beautiful, eloquent words of Jonah's message? Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. But did anybody see the powerful, and now I'm not being sarcastic, poignant and mighty response of the people of Nineveh? It may just have been the right message at the right time to the right people. Sometimes I drive up to the corner to get some gas or to stop at the home improvement store, and there's a man on the corner He has a sign that usually has something about turning or burning. And he has a megaphone, or not a megaphone anymore. He's gotten all high tech. He's got this little microphone in a boombox. And he's yelling, you know, as people are driving by about what he thinks is the right message and the right time for those people. And he's generally ignored. But Jonah is not generally ignored here even though it doesn't seem like anybody should be responding to this message. Jonah is Jewish. He's not Assyrian. Assyria was, of course, the parent nation of this massive city of Nineveh. I would imagine that Nineveh felt some level of self-importance. Nineveh at this time, not according to the scriptures, but according to archaeologists, was the largest city on the face of the planet. Isn't that incredible? Archaeologists who don't read their Bible necessarily have established that Nineveh in the the 700s B.C. was the largest city on earth. Isn't it interesting that in the only recorded event of an Old Testament prophet going to a city that's not his own in order to bring salvation, God happens to choose the largest city on earth? Just an interesting little tidbit. Now, now if this Bible isn't inspired, and this is a made-up story, How did Jonah know that he'd be going to the largest city on earth? 
as God tries to demonstrate his mercy and his merciful intent to the nations. It's a powerful, powerful proof text for the legitimacy of the Bible that somehow, not in the communication age, not in the Pax Romana, not in an age where people could understand the height, length, and breadth of the world, that Jonah is called to the biggest city on earth to bring about God's salvation. But it's confirmed. Interestingly enough, Nineveh was the Lord over Israel. And what I mean by that is Lord and vassal relationship. In 805, the Assyrians had swept down out of the north into the kingdom of Israel, and Joash, the king of Jonah's nation, had to pay tribute to them. That means he's a vassal state. In in essence, when you pay tribute, you're saying, please don't conquer us, sir. Here, take our money. That's what Israel had done just prior to Jonah's message to Nineveh. So Jonah's coming to Nineveh, which what we would imagine is an unpopular message, He's coming not from a powerful nation that's been esteemed. He's coming from a place that's not esteemed. He's coming from a vassal state, a conquered nation, into Assyria to deliver this message. It doesn't seem to be a message that anybody would want to respond to. Now, before we notice the response, before we make note of what's happening here, let's just be really clear about what God said to him. Can you go back with me to verse 2? He says, arise and go to Nineveh and call against it the message that I tell you. Literally in the Hebrew, the message that I speak to you. I need you to say exactly what I tell you to say in Nineveh. And from the Lord comes these crazy words that you would think nobody would respond to, street corner preacher-esque, no one would be interested in, and what's the message? 40 days from now, your entire city is going to be overthrown. It's going to be tossed on its head by God. We don't know what else Jonah said, but we can be clear on one thing. He was not to soften the message or to harden the message He just needed to give the message. Now, that's a problem for us today who believe we hear from the Holy Spirit and we're supposed to shine our light out into the world. It's very easy to come across somebody and want to soften the message. Jonah could have very easily said, yet in 40 days, it might not look good for all of you. You may not be pleased with what might happen to you if you don't get your act together. No, Jonah says the whole kit and caboodle. Yet 40 days and you'll be overthrown. Now, I don't know that Jonah would have wanted to soften the message. His personality profile doesn't really match that. Jonah might have tried to harden the message like the man on the street corner because Jonah could have said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown because you are are, are an evil sack of potatoes. You're horrible, you're a horrible people, you're violent and evil and adulterous and and, and hurtful and stinky, and you smell like elderberries. You can just, he could have just laid them out, right? But, But he didn't, he didn't lay them out. He just gave the message that God told him to give. And we don't know if he said anything else because the response is so powerful and so swift. Look at verse five. And the people believed Jonah. Is that what it says? No. It says, and the people believed God. Somehow, these stinky, 
evil, violent, carnal people hear this message and equate it with a message from God. And Jonah fades into obscurity in chapter 3. He's gone. God and the people take it from there. There's a lesson here. Is it beginning to, to, to click? Is smoke coming out of your ears, right? Right in this moment, because the gears are turning. That, that Jonah delivers this unpopular message, but it's responded to. Jonah recedes, and God and the people who hear the message become central to the story. But that's what happens here. God says to Jonah, give them the message I tell you. Jonah delivers the mail, and then he moves on to the next house. He doesn't stay there and say, open it, open it. I want to see what it says, right? He backs away. The people believe God, and things begin to change. This might have been the worst message that the Ninevites ever heard. The idea that in 40 days, their entire city will be destroyed but it ends up in their case being the best message they ever heard because of what ends up taking place. Now you might say, this story strains credulity. I practice saying credulity in my office and then I just messed it up now. Credulity, it strains. How can we believe that this Jewish prophet can go and be a street corner preacher in the biggest city in the world, the most powerful empire on the face of the earth at this time, and that anybody would believe him? Why should we believe that, I mean, it is a rather powerful story, isn't it? It is pretty wild that they would. What if I told you that Jonah ministered in Nineveh at the time around a king named Assurdan III? And during the reign of Assurdan III, Nineveh experienced an earthquake, famine, two decades of rioting, and two outbreaks of plague. What if I told you that that was the context into which Jonah was preaching yet 40 days and this whole city is toast? Is it possible that God was arranging the circumstances in Nineveh to respond to the very message that Jonah would preach? It could be, since we have records of the reign of Assur, Dan III, and the earthquake, and the famine, and the rioting, and the plagues. I mean, we had one pandemic, and we're worried that, the, that, that it's all over. These people had had two pandemics, and rioting, and an earthquake, they'd been, and a famine, they'd been through it. This message was the right message for the right time. And you say, well, it's still, we're going to get to the king in a minute, it still strains credulity, that the king would issue a proclamation of repentance, except that we have an extant letter. That means a letter that exists today from 795 B.C. in which royal officials write to the Assyrian province of Gozan calling for repentance. See, people can open the Bible and they can be like, oh, forget about it. That couldn't have happened. It makes no sense that a Jewish prophet standing on a street corner in Nineveh could have this type of impact. It strains credulity. You know what? Hashtag strains credulity. We'll just do that this week, right? That this can't happen, except that, of course, it happened. History helps us to understand that it's not 
possible. It's not even probable. It, it just happened. And the Bible is giving us the proof positive that they responded to this word. Was the repentance of 795 the repentance of Jonah? We can never know. But the idea that a king would publish and send out a note of repentance to the nation in the 700s BC, could that have happened amongst the Assyrians? It did happen. So it could happen again. What's the point we're trying to get to? Jonah's message wasn't brilliant. Jonah's message probably didn't lend itself to being well-received, except that it was received. And it was the right message for the right time, even though the message was judgment. I say it to you all the time, that someone near you, God is preparing to become a Christian. Someone in your sphere, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, God's preparing them right now to become one of his own. The only question is, will the man or woman of God deliver the message that ought to be delivered in the method and manner that the message was given? That's what Jonah does, and God does the rest. For many of us, we would think, God, I can't give that message to that certain person at that certain time. And God says, do it, because I've been preparing them for that one right there. If only you'll seek me in order to hear it. This message is so powerful that the king joins in. I find it interesting that they called for a fast and they put on sackcloth. That was the mourning rituals of the ancient Near East. So when confronted with their sin, they're saying, this is like death to us. I'm going to put on sackcloth and I'm going to start fasting as if someone has died the king joins in and he extends the morning rituals. He takes off his royal robe. He puts on sackcloth and he's going to do his people one better. He's going to sit in dirt. He's going to show how destitute he is over this message that has come from Jonah. He believes it with all his heart and he believes that he and his people need to repent. He issues this decree and says, call out mightily to God. Renounce your evil ways and renounce your violence. Isn't that interesting? Evil ways and violence. And now we get to the heart of why God was going to judge Nineveh. God judges violence harshly. In fact, in one of the only places you'll ever find God saying he hates somebody, in the Psalms, God says, I hate the lover of violence. I hate the lover of violence. Yeah, that doesn't fit my theology. Well, it's in the Bible. In fact, if you were to go back to Genesis chapter 6, why did the flood happen? 6.12, violence, right? Why is Job like, God, why are you judging me? God, Job can't understand. He says in Job chapter 16, I don't understand why I'm being judged. There's no violence in my hand. There's no violence in my hand. I don't understand why God's allowing the enemy to destroy my life. I haven't been a violent man, but we have established since week one, Nineveh's violence was unprecedented in human history. Nineveh and Assyria were a violent, violent people, and therefore God's judgment was going to come out against them, and their king knew it, except their king didn't do anything about it until he's confronted with the message. He knew his people were evil, he knew his people were violent, but it took the man of God coming and saying, Nineveh's going to be overthrown for him to do anything about it. Sometimes all that's needed is the obedience of the messenger to bring somebody to the point where they turn to God. 
And so the king does. He says, call out to God, perhaps, maybe, just maybe, God will not do what he said he is going to do. And of course, the Bible is clear. Nineveh repented, and God relented. We hadn't had a rhyme yet, so I wanted to give you one. Nineveh repented, and God relented. God's merciful message was judgment. The the most merciful thing that he could have had Jonah preach to Nineveh was judgment. Because they were prepared to believe that God would judge them. Isn't that interesting? In our era of always wanting to preach Jesus' love, that the message that Nineveh needed to hear was that in 40 days from now, God's going to judge and you're going to be on the wrong side of it. Now you'd say, well, that's, that's not the gospel, Pastor Matt. That's not what Jesus preached. John chapter 16, verse 8. And when the Holy Spirit comes, said Jesus, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Matthew 12, 41, Jesus, speak, Jesus speaking about the story in Nineveh says, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. You see, the message of Jesus is the same. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Jonah didn't say that. Jesus did. Jesus said the Holy Spirit was coming to convict people's hearts regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. That God would give his spirit to his people in order that they could deliver the message and then step back and say, God, do as you will. Okay? But I don't hold animosity. I'm not angry. I'm not going to tell these people all of the bad things and all the things that I interpret as as being wrong with them. I'm just going to give the message that needs to be given to the person to whom it needs to be given to at the right moment, at the right time. And the truth of the matter is, sometimes people just need to know that Jesus loves them. And sometimes people need to know that Jesus will forgive them. And sometimes people need to know that Jesus overcame death and there's hope for life eternal. That was the gospel of Acts that was preached so eloquently over and over and over again. But sometimes people need to hear this world's not going to last forever and when you see God face to face, you do not want to be condemned by the men of Nineveh. You do not want to be the... I've got to use a careful word when I'm yelling at my kids and I don't want to call them a bad name, you do not want to be a nerf herder because you were so enamored with your own sense of righteousness that you would not repent to God when he gave you chance and chance and chance to do it and now you're standing in the judgment and you will be eternally separated from him because you would not listen to the message of the Lord. You don't want to be that guy. And some people need to hear that. It's not the message for every person in every situation at every time. The street corner preacher's not my favorite dude. Right? He's not. And he's casting a pretty wide net. 
with a pretty angry message. But Jonah was merely speaking what Ninevites needed to hear, and he'd heard from the Lord. And some of you need to hear this today. You're sitting in church because you're, 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 you're glad that your family's going to hear some morals. Well, here's the moral of the story. Human beings are dead in their sin. Human beings have rebelled against God to the point that we are all in line for judgment. But by the mercy and grace of God, Jesus came that we might not be judged, but we would be deemed righteous by his perfect sacrifice. And what God calls you to do is repent and believe and be baptized. If you want to get morals, go read some philosopher. This is not the morality police here at church. We'll tell you what the flesh is and we'll tell you what the spirit is. We're happy to do that, but that's not what this is. We are the redeemed of God who have repented before the Lord and said, yes, I am a sinner and I need the grace of God. And perhaps if I repent, God will relent. Nothing's changed. Jesus says something greater than Jonah is here. Will you respond to it? Will you respond to it? Some of you, right here today, need to repent. You need to turn to God. That's what repent means. And you need to believe and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus because that's what he commanded of you. Pastor Matt didn't make the law. I'm just giving the message. And I'm, I'm not angry, and I don't hate you, and I don't judge you but I'm delivering the message today. Don't sit in church without having repented and believed and been baptized. God has so much more for you than just the morals of church. So much more for you than that. He wants to give you new life and a fresh start. He wants to have you turn back to him so he can shine his light upon you. I didn't make this law but it's my job to deliver it to some of you today. And in the same way, for some of you who want to go out these doors and shine your light, you need to give the unvarnished message, not of anger and not of judgment every single time to every single person, but to say, Lord, I know that you'll give me the right message at the right time for the right people. If I'll open my mouth and obey, God can do amazing things. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? First, I want to pray for those of you today who you're actively shining your light right now. You're looking to find ways to interact with people who don't know Christ, but you're struggling a little bit to open your mouth and share the message that God has called you to share. I want to pray over you first today. But there's also a handful of people in the room today and you know that you've heard truth this morning. Not because I've said it, but because God's spoken it. There's nothing special about the guy with the mic. But there is a living God 
who gave you life and breath. And he wants your life back. He wants you to turn to him today and stop messing around. And I want to pray for you too. If that's you today, you're of that second category. And you know that you've got to stop messing around with this God thing. Not that your life is completely out of control, but the control you've had of it hasn't led to anything marvelous. And it's time to give your life back to him, to turn to him and repent. And say, Lord, I'll try your way. If that's you today, I'd like you to take a bold step to humble yourself before God. Not before me, before God. And I want you just to turn two hands towards heaven, right in this place, and say, God, I need to repent and turn my life to you today. The sign of surrender, you just do that. Turn two hands towards him, say, God, I... I don't want to mess around anymore. I need to turn my whole life to you. I've been reserving too much of myself. And I need to repent. I need to turn to you. Two hands towards heaven. Do it today. Don't wait. No time like the present to give your life to God. Heavenly Father, I pray over my brothers and sisters today. Each one of them, the Bible calls God's workmanship. They are created in Christ Jesus to do good works which you prepared in advance for them to do. Oh God, would you help them to live in that reality? Oh God, give them grace right now to turn to you. Give them strength right now to truly repent of ways that are wrong and to say, God, I don't want to do that anymore. I need you to forgive me. Give them strength right now to be able to humble themselves and say to those in the church, I have made a decision to follow Christ. I need help to do that. I pray, Lord, that you would bring salvation to them today and that you would give them all the grace and mercy that Jesus provides. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters today who want to share your message and share your word. Oh God, I pray you'd give them boldness and remind them that sometimes the most unpalatable message is the one that needs to be heard not to be spoken in anger or in judgment, but to be spoken in obedience. Lord, give us boldness to speak the words on the street corners of our Nineveh that need to be heard by a lost and a dying world. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, if you turn two hands to heaven today and you're saying to yourself, I want to serve Christ and I'm open to repenting and changing my ways, I want you to do one of two things. One, come talk to me right after the service. Uh, I'm just like the girls in the tax division. I'm really nice. And I didn't make the laws, I just convey them. And I just want to encourage you to keep walking in faith and pray for you. Or 
Stop by the Welcome Center with Pastor Otto today, and there's a little red book that says, really, what do I do when I've made that decision to repent and follow God? It'll tell you everything that you need to do, and it'll lock in that decision in your life. Say that to Pastor Otto. He'd love to give you one of those books today. Uh, why don't you stand? Like I said, if you made that decision today, I want you to come talk to me or talk to Pastor Otto, and I hope you will all make your way straight down the hall and stop in at that volunteer fair. You can win Guardians tickets. I like seeing baseball live. Hope you do too. So, hope you go down there. God bless your people. Thank you for the work you've done in this place. Send us now ready to love and serve others, both in the church and outside of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.